Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. Hey, good morning, Believer's Church. Good to be with you guys today. And how many were here for last week with Matt? How many enjoyed that? Awesome. Yeah, let's give him a hand. And he taught on, I'm not good enough. And so my wife asked me this week, she said, what did they give you to teach on? I said, take a guess. She thought, she said, I know the perfect one for you is I'm not mature enough. I said, yeah, that's, that's exactly what they asked me to teach on. Well, hey, when I was growing up, and this is going to date me, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have video games, we didn't have 200 cable channels. So we played outdoors all summer long. And one of the things that would happen is occasionally we get bored and we get into a little mischief. So I was about 10 years old, and there's a gang of kids around, and we decided to prank some people. So we built a dummy that we called Bill. We gave him a name, got some pants and a shirt and, you know, shoes and a belt and a, ri a ridiculous-looking head that we put on him. I don't even know what it was. I can't even remember. But it was just ridiculous. And so we tried to throw him off a tree to prank people. That didn't work. We tried to crash our bicycles in the middle of the road. You know, that didn't work. We weren't fooling anyone. So we said, hey, we've got to up our game. Let's put Bill in the center of our residential street. And you know what? When cars come, they're going to see this guy. They're going to hit their brakes. And you know what? We didn't fool anybody. The little old grannies would come along and just like shake their head like, dummies, you're the dummies. Not that, not that, that you're the dummies. So we said, hey, we could up our game. So my friend had a fence gate, you know, that was blocked off. You kind of peek over it. We had a fishing pole hooked a line up to Bill the Dummy, put Bill the Dummy in the middle of the street and decided when our lookout would say, a car's coming, we'd give Bill a little action. Bill would just kind of like, kind of like, just kind of move along, shuffle along the street. And I'll tell you what, we didn't have success until one day a familiar sound came around the corner. That familiar screeching sound was the sound of a guy about 10 years older than us by the name of Rollo. And all we can ever remember seeing from Rollo was a big old fro because you couldn't see him. He flashed by so fast. He had a 57 Chevy, and he was always pedal to the metal. When Rollo came down our street, we'd be like, Rollo's coming. Get up on the curb. Do not mess with Rollo. So Rollo comes flying around. We're behind the gate, and the thing you know, it's like, bam, right up the curb, man. And Rollo got out, and he said some, some interesting words. He had pronouns, personal pronouns, verbs, adjectives. I'm not going to tell you what he said. We were scared. We scattered like the wind. But just to show you how smart we were, we had that fishing line and that pole like going to the house that we were behind. So we weren't that smart. Anyways, I would take blame for what happened to Rollo, but I don't think I can. I don't think I had anything to do with that, really. Very little, maybe. Why? Because when it came to speeding, Rollo was out of control, man. Rollo was his own worst enemy in that 57 Chevy. That wasn't my fault. That was his fault. So here's the thing. I think this, Rollo was his own worst enemy. You know what I've found in my life sometimes? As much as I'd like to deflect the blame and blame someone else, very often I'm my own worst enemy. I mean, when it comes to anger, sometimes I've been my own worst enemy. Jealousy, gossip, all kinds of things. Overeating, you know. I mean, you see that extra piece of lasagna, you just want to have it and you do it. I've been my own worst enemy so many times. Why is that? Because... The Bible teaches that because of the sin of Adam, that it affected all of us with the exception of Jesus Christ. And so we have part of us that 
will completely oppose another part of us, and that's our spirit versus our body. And their desires are often opposite of one another. Some of you might struggle in areas I don't. You know, in the past for me, that might have been drugs or drinking, but that's not my issue today. Maybe that's your issue today. But this message that I'm going to bring is something that we usually need the most, but we want the least. And that's because we don't understand this message. What I'm going to share today, and my prayer for you today has been this. I've just been praying over you guys, and if you are stuck in any area of your life, whether it's just your thought life, or some kind of a habit, or something that you've been trying to break out of forever, and you just feel like you fail again and again and again, then this message is for you. If you're stuck in spiritual quicksand, this message is for you because this message is a liberating message that will bring freedom to your life. I promise you that. You might say, well, what are you talking about today? Well, I'm talking about this. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not, I don't have enough self-control. When we hear that message, what's our first impulse? Hey, you're right, man. Hang our head. You're right, man. I'm not disciplined enough. I know, Pastor, man, if I just try, if I just try a little bit hard, if I just work at this a little bit more, you know, I know I can do, but no, no, hold on, no, no, that's not what this message is about. This message is not about you trying harder, and I'll explain that later, but I'd like to read a Proverbs to you, Proverbs 25, verse 28, it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Well, we don't live in cities with walls. Well, let me say it to you this way. If you lived in an apartment, a condo, townhouse, a home, and you have no windows and no doors, how many are feeling real safe at that moment? Because any critter, any bug, any insect, any person can come in and take whatever they want. Isn't that true? And what is that saying? When we don't have self-control in our life, it makes us vulnerable. We're not safe. We're not protected. But not only that, when we don't have self-control in our life, it means that the enemy can rob us of our future potential, can rob us of the potential that God has for us because self-control and discipline is really a vehicle that God has given to his church to take us out of the realm of just desiring or just wishing. It's a vehicle that can actually take you to where God wants you to get, where he wants you to go. And I would say if it was about trying harder, then forget it. I'm out of this message. Check me out right now because I've tried again and again and failed. But if this message is not about us trying harder, but if it is in fact about the resurrection power of Jesus Christ... That same power that took his body out of a tomb, that defeated all the enemies that existed in this universe, that same power that has no limitations, if it is in fact about that empowering me to have self-control, then count me in. Because that's what it is about. If you're visiting and you're not even sure what you believe about God, guess what you're going to find out today? Hey, we're just like you. We've got all the same challenges and problems in life that you do. We're no different just because we follow Jesus. But today I want to show you how we as followers of Jesus deal with areas of our life that are out of control. I'm going to give you some insight. And I'm going to let you know how you can tap into that power as well at the end of this service. So glad you're with us today. All right, so as we move along, here's my main thought for today. Discipline is a fruit that grows by learning how to follow the Holy Spirit, not by trying harder. Now, when I grew up, I grew up in California. We had uh, grapevines. 
in my backyard, we had a pomegranate tree, we had an orange tree, we had a walnut tree, our neighbors had apricots, peaches, plums, it was all there. When I would go hiking, we'd go up north a little bit, we'd walk through orange groves, and then when we moved here, when my kids were younger, we'd go to Hartford where they have apple orchards. Anybody ever been there to Hartford? Wave your hand. Come on, just wave your hand if you've been there. <clears throat> All right. How many of you, when you walk through one of those places, ever heard a conversation like this between the other trees? How'd you do last year? Man, I did about like 250 apples. Really, man, that's all? I did like 300. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I, I just truly believe. Uh, hey, man, settle down. I'm a little stressed about this, okay? I'm a little stressed, man. But I think if I just grind it out, oh, if I just get a little aggressive, I think I could crank out maybe like 270 next year. Oh, yeah, you could do it, man. You could do it. You could do it. Come on. Not all. Trees aren't stressed out. Why? They were created to bear fruit. And if you put them in the right climate, in the right soil, with the right amount of fertilization and water and sunlight, what are they going to do? They're going to grow fruit. They're not trying to grow fruit. They just grow fruit. Listen, spiritually, it's the same. Self-control or discipline is a fruit, which means you cannot attain it by trying harder. Now, we all have wills. If you ever raised a kid that was a strong, anybody ever raised a strong-willed kid? Lord, have mercy on us. But they will reap what they sowed in Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even they, come on, how many know, even their strong will has limitations. You can break it. See, we might have stronger will than somebody else in certain areas, but we all have our limitations. But the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, I, there is no limitation to that. The limits are off. And that's what I'm talking about walking in here. So let's read Galatians 5.22. And it says this, it says, but the Holy Spirit, let me just stop right there, the Holy Spirit. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, but Graham, but Pastor Joe, but Lori, but whoever. It doesn't say we do it. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control there's no law against these things so that fruit is not produced by us or our own power it is produced by the spirit of god and it comes and grows in the context of being in relationship with the holy spirit of god and so trying harder doesn't get it there now the greek word that's used for the word holy spirit there is the greek word pneuma it's also used to represent the human spirit James says that the spirit or the body without the spirit is dead. In other words, your spirit is what animates your body. But again, as I said earlier, these two very often will oppose one another. And Jesus nails this in this passage we're about to read in Matthew 26, where he invites three people to come along and pray with him as he's about to be crucified. He wants some people to hang with him. How many of you want some people in your tough times to hang with you that know how to pray? Well, guess what? His guys came and attempted to do so, but they failed. Check this out, verse 40. When he came back to his disciples, he found them asleep, and he said to Peter, can you stick it out with me a single hour, or can't you? Stay alert, be in prayer so you don't wander into temptation without even knowing you're in danger. Get this, there is a part of you that is eager, ready for anything in God, but there's another part of you 
that's as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. How many of you run into that old dog? Honey, oh man, I love it when you make that lasagna. You don't make it enough, but you know what? Hey, I'm going to be disciplined today. I'm going to have one piece of lasagna. Three pieces later, I'm like, oh man, uh, I will do that next time. What happened? Well, my body won. My body won that fight. So, a couple weeks ago, I had my tires on my cars rotated. Let me tell you why I don't do it. Because I've got a jack in the trunk of my car, and i got a crowbar. Can you imagine rotating tires on two vehicles that way? That's a pain. I'm not that dumb. So I just take it into the shop. They put it on a lift, shh, put it up. Guy takes a tool called an impact wrench, puts it up on the lug nuts, and he just goes like this, zip, 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 zip. I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. I should get one of those. And I could save us $2, Lori, if I got one of those. So, so uh, anyways, he does that. Now, here's the thing. I've noticed that that impact wrench is connected to a hose, which is connected to a generator. And when that thing runs, it produces compressed air. It's called a pneumatic tool, pneuma, T-I-C. The base word there is air, wind-driven. Spirit driven. It's like a sail on a sailboat doesn't produce its own wind. You and I do not produce the power that's necessary to exercise the kind of discipline we need to exercise to overcome the enemy within. But the Spirit of God, when we know how to connect with Him, He produces that power, and all we do is tap into that power. You guys with me on that? So we can tap into that. So listen to what Vine says about this word discipline or self control. It's controlling. The power of the will under the operation of the Spirit of God. So again, discipline is a fruit that grows by learning how to follow the Holy Spirit, not by trying harder. So how does this work in a practical way? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this in your Bible. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. In other words, follow the Holy Spirit and you won't follow the enemy within. So how many of you in your lifetime have ever been on at least one diet? At least one. Can I hear two? Can I hear? No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. So if you've ever been on a diet, it was like I went into shock first time I was in a diet. First time I went on a diet, I was about like 40 years old because I got by just on genetics, man. And I was like, in, it was like a shock to my system. My, my wife said, you know, she said, you think like a person who's never had to, you know, worry about what they eat. I just kept eating that way. You know, I got out of control. But you go on these diets, and what is it? It's like, hey, you should eat this, and you should not eat that. Do you know what I had a tendency to do? Maybe you can relate to this. It'd be like, we're eating there, and I got kids. It's like, all of a sudden, man, she puts out an apple pie, which is my weakness. Or like a chocolate pie, and I'm walking by, and I'm like, no, I'm on a diet, man. I'm not going to eat that. What happens after a while? I start to fixate. I will not eat that chocolate cake. No, 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 I will not eat that chocolate cake. No, I will, no, uh-uh, it's not happening. Well, I'm not, I'll start next time. Well, how many of you know when you focus on what you don't want to do, you're like the Apostle Paul saying, hey, you know the things I don't want to do, I actually do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. So what's the solution then? Well, the solution is this. If you follow the Holy Spirit, if you are engaged in listening to, following His promptings, his direction, his guidance. If you are engaged, if you are busy going where he wants you to go, doing what he wants you to do by default, not because you weren't trying, but by default, you will not 
end up doing what your old lazy dog by the fireplace wants to do. That's how it happens. It sounds so easy because it is. It is. It's really easy. Now, how does this work in practical ways? Well, I can tell you this. Give an example of spending. How many of you have ever been out of control when it comes to your money? I was out of control. My wife was way more disciplined than me when it came to that. But I remember over 20 years ago, we were on a budget, had maintenance money for our cars, but during a time of prayer, I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me, you need to save an extra $100 a month for car repairs. I was like, yeah, but my cars are fine. How many know when you argue with God, you always lose? It's like when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Seriously. But I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Let's just do this. What's the worst thing that could happen? I'll have $200 in savings at the end of the year. So I did that. I did that successfully for six months. Guess what happened? I stopped. Guess what happened at the end of one year? I had a car that needed repaired. Guess how much for? $1,200. Guess how much I was short? What was, that? what was that? Who said 600? Put your hand up. Go to the head of the class right there, sir. <laughs> yeah, man, I was short. What was the Holy Spirit doing? He's trying to help me exercise self-control in the area of spending. See, he'll come alongside us in practical ways. I love this, man. I've pastored for years, and <clears throat> I found a lot of people that tell me the Holy Spirit told them this and that, and they're just, come on, man, they're just weird people. They were weird before they got saved. They're still weird. Holy Spirit told you to do what? Yeah, told me to stand on my head over here, you know. Like, what? That isn't the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of stupid on you, man. That's, I don't even know what that is. But, hey, you know, following the Holy Spirit's not going to make you a weird, is it? Because it says here's the fruit that's going to show up. If somebody's following the Holy Spirit, what are they going to look like? Loving, joyful, patient, kind, faithful, so, does that sound weird to you? If that sounds weird to you, give me all the weird I can get then. No, it's not going to be that way. Now, how do we follow someone called the Holy Spirit? Well, it comes by listening. And I want to read a passage to you because it has a lot to do with hearing the Holy Spirit talk to you. In John chapter 10, verse 3, Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, is going to talk about hearing the voice of God. And listen to what he says. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they do not know his voice. So it says we will recognize his voice. We will know his voice. We will follow. We will recognize, know, and follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus said about himself speaking, but in John 16, he says, I'm going to speak to you when I'm in heaven by my spirit. So the Holy Spirit is still speaking today. The scripture says, do not harden your heart when God speaks to you today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. God is always speaking, but sometimes I've found out that my recognition factor needs to get up a little bit. Did you know in the Bible there's places where God spoke to people, but they could not recognize it as his voice? Job 33, 14, Samuel the prophet. So how do we amp up voice recognition? Well, I'm going to tell you something real, real easy that you can do. Now, I have an iPhone. Some of you have smartphones in here. A lot of you have smartphones. 
And uh, we live by these things. What do we do without them? I don't even know what life was like without these things. So we have, you know, we have these smartphones, and I use mine a lot. And uh, mine is called Siri. But basically, she's a voice recognition program. They've been working on this technology since the early 50s. It's very complex. But let me just show you how she works. Hey, Siri, how's your day going today? Very well, thank you. You know what? She's never been in a bad mood yet. I've never found her in a bad mood. It's amazing. Love her. You guys don't even know how much trouble I'm in for saying that. <laughs> oh, well. Where there's no lack of words, there's no lack of sin. Anyways, one of the things they do is it, to make these things work, what are they doing? Well, essentially, these are emulating or mimicking human beings, aren't they? Because what does it do? It listens. It tries to understand and comprehend what we just said, and then in context, respond. And the way they do that is they program into these apps a base of about 60,000 words. And without that vocabulary as its base, if I spoke to it, it would have no comprehension whatsoever of what I meant or what I said. Do you want to increase your ability to hear and recognize and know the voice of God? Then download His Word into your spirit and into your mind. Yeah, you can go ahead. Download it in there, and guess what? He's got something to draw up in the day of trouble, in the time of trial or testing or temptation. There's a difference, and I don't want to go into this too much, but there's a difference for the word word in the Greek. There's a couple of representations. One is logos, which means the general, it gives us the general knowledge of God, the general knowledge of his character, his promises, and so on. But in Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, it's called the rhema word. Scholars agree that that doesn't mean the whole Bible, but what that means is that when we're in a time where we're being challenged, that there's a specific word for a specific situation that will match that situation, and that's the Holy Spirit. And when we have something deposited on the inside of us, then he has something to go ahead and draw up. It's like having a gun with bullets in it. You put the word in there, and when you need to fire it, you can fire it. But that's also going to help us recognize when God is trying to talk to us. And so I want to say this. What does self-control look like? It looks like this practically. It is saying yes to the Holy Spirit and no to yourself. It is making a decision against yourself. And we have to make a decision against the enemy within. Because it wants to go one way and God, the part of us that wants God, wants to go the other way, our hearts. So we need to make decisions against our body. Now, without the vehicle of self-control, because it is a vehicle that will take you from where you are, a place of just desire or wishing, to walk in all of God's blessings and will for your life. It'll take you from where you are, and it will actually get you to where He wants you to be. It's a vehicle that will take you to great places. But without that, you are just left with desires and dreams and wishes, and those don't amount to much, do they? Because discipline, not desire, determines your destiny. Discipline, not desire, determines your destiny. So we've got to do more than just wish for something. We've got to take some actions. 
The Apostle Paul made decisions against himself. Listen to what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourself many things that would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup, but we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. So I run straight to the goal with the purpose in every step. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should not, what it should, not what it wants to. Who's the I in that sentence there? That's his spirit. Paul said in Romans 1 9, God whom I serve with my spirit. He's letting the spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, call the shots, not the old lazy dog sleeping by the fire calling the shots. He's connected to the power source of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's how he is able to do that. When you say no to that extra pie this afternoon, you might be saying yes to those washboard abs if you're like 20. Because after that, forget it. But see, here's the whole thing. Discipline is a fruit that grows by learning how to follow the Holy Spirit, not by trying harder. Because if you walk out of here and you think that I'm just going to try harder, you're, you're going to keep failing. But if you can really learn how to connect to that relationship that God wants you to have with the Holy Spirit and learn how to listen and follow Him, it will lead you to a place where, by the way, you will not end up doing those things you don't want to do. And sometimes that stuff on the outside, you know, but sometimes that's just our thought life. I've had stuff that's hung on to me for decades at times the way I was thinking that was wrong. I knew it, but in my own efforts, I failed. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit empowered. Did you know he'll empower your, your thinking? Romans 8, 5, and 6, 2 Timothy 1, 7. You can actually exercise self-control in your thought life. Yeah, you can. I want to show you a little video here, which I think this video is something that we showed to promote our connect groups uh, earlier this year. But I want to show you just a little clip of it. You can see it online if you watch the whole thing. But I really believe it encapsulates this whole teaching right here if you just check this out. My name is Bill Bohack. I'm married. I have two children. I'm a retired steel mill worker. And I enjoy hunting for a hobby. I was introduced to God at a young age by my mom. And I kind of grew up with the feeling that God was a little bit on the vindictive side. My early perception of God was that he was um, there to punish me if I did anything wrong. I was glad it changed in my later years. I found out God wasn't a vindictive God. Back in December of 2012, it was the day after Christmas of 26th, I came upstairs because I was a little bit hungry. My wife wasn't home. There was a half of a pie left on the table, so I sat down and ate it. I grabbed two cookies and went downstairs. Went in the bathroom to wash my hands and I saw a scale. So I said, man, I, I hate that scale. Stepped on the scale, I was 330 pounds. So I looked in the mirror and I said, Bill, you have no willpower whatsoever. You are deficient in willpower. What a pathetic person. I turned to walk out. Well, something struck me to look back into the mirror. I looked back into the mirror and said these words. I am not pathetic. I'm a child of the Most High God. I have a lot of power at my disposal anytime I need it or want it, just use it. And I said, where'd that come from? And I walked out and I sat down. Of course, I finished my two cookies, <laughs> but 
I begged God, I said, Lord, I don't know how. I don't have the desire or the willpower, but I need to shed some weight. I need to get this weight off. I can't carry 300 pounds like I did when I was 40. That's where it started. Guys, is that not an amazing story? Here's what you may not know. That's, it's just amazing. Bill started dealing with being overweight at the age of 10. And when that encounter in the mirror happened, he was 63 years old. That means for 53 years, an untold number of diets, he had failed again and again and again. But he heard something. Something said, you've got all the power that you need. What was he hearing? Well, that's scriptural, isn't it? Ephesians 1.19, there's a prayer that we would know and understand how much power is available to us as believers in Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Christ from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the age to come. That kind of power is available. That kind of power, Ephesians 3.20, is at work in you and me. And Bill tapped into that power but when was he able to tap into that power to shed 110 pounds that he's now lost he was able to tap into it when understanding came when the holy spirit spoke to him and of course there were more steps that the holy spirit directed and guided him to take and he did but it all started with the voice he recognized the voice and he followed it and it brought great liberty, and it was something that he was stuck in for 53 years of his life. You know what I love about Jesus Christ so much is when he sets me free, and he sets you free, and he sets Bill free, and he cleansed lepers, and he heals us, and he does all these miraculous things. He sets us free so we get our lives back. Bill gets to live in the fruit of that decision that he made to say yes to the Holy Spirit and no to himself. And it's amazing to me. And some of you here today, you've been in some things that you've been stuck in for a long time. And you literally have thrown in your spiritual towel years ago and said, I'm, I'm so sick and tired. Graham, I'm so sick and tired. I've tried to stop drinking 150 times. I know. But you know what? How about we let someone greater than you, someone that's got the strength to empower you to do what you cannot do on your own, help you do it that's what he did that's an amazing amazing thought see i've noticed this over the years and we're going to wrap this up right here i've noticed over the years that some christians some followers of christ have a lot more fruit than others and i've asked myself well, why is that and of course there could be a lot of reasons for that but one of the reasons i think is sometimes the lack of what we know or understand i found it this way it's very hard to cooperate with someone when I don't get it, when I don't understand what they're talking about, when I don't comprehend it, it's hard to finish the math problem on the board when I just don't get it. And I think that we need to understand. I think that's what happened to Bill. I think understanding came into his heart. There's a power that's available to you. And, and why don't you take advantage? Of course, he did. He cried out and he said, God, I need a miracle. Charles Spurgeon was a famous preacher he had a mega churches when mega churches, for the most part, didn't exist anywhere in the world. I believe he pastored somewhere around 6,000 people in London, England, long before microphones were available. He's prince of preachers. He's read all over the world still today, a great theologian. But he was visiting a little lady from his congregation, one of his parishioners. She was very sick. She was not doing well. 
He had to go to the slums of London where she lived in a little tiny shack. And she wasn't doing well. And it was just meager. There was nothing there. She was just dirt poor, as we say. And as he was trying to just comfort her and encourage her and pray for her, he looked up on the wall and he noticed that she had something that was framed up on the wall. And he looked at that and he read that. And he said, where did you get that from? And she said, well, for years I was a servant to lady so-and-so, you know, people of royalty. She said, I was her servant. And when I retired, she gave this to me. And of course, she's passed away since then. She said, uh, so I was, I've always been proud of this. And so I put it on my wall. And he said, well, do you know what it says? And she said, well, no, sir, I, I'm actually illiterate. I don't know how to read. So I don't know what it says. He said, would you mind if I just took this? And uh, I'd like to just look at it a little bit. Could I, can I bring it back next week? She said, sure. He went, took it in had it legally verified and documented that it was the legitimate thing that he was thinking it was. And he came back and he said, ma'am, do you know what this is? She said, no, like I told you, I'm illiterate, I don't know. He said, ma'am, this lady that you served, she wrote you into her will. And out of her vast, the vast wealth of her estate, this document states that you will have a home. She's giving you a home. She's giving you provision for medical care, for food, and for anything that you will ever need. You will never lack as long as there is wealth in her estate. She's made provision for you. And here she was all those years living in that place. How many of us are living in places where we are sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of our situation? And we've just, we can't stand it anymore. I'm telling you, there is liberty Whenever you decide to follow the Holy Spirit, He will bring you to a place of freedom. The Bible even says, where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom, my friends. Not bondage, but freedom. Self-control is a gift from God to you to take you from just wishing for something to get you to that place where you can possess it. So how do we do this? Here's where we end. When I think back and I think about what Bill did he prayed. He asked God for a miracle, and then God gave him several steps as a result of that prayer to take. One of them was to get connected to one of our connect groups called the Daniel Plan. But he had to actually follow the steps of the Holy Spirit. When I think back to what the Holy Spirit was doing for me, the Bible says in John 16, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He was trying to prepare me for something that was coming down the road. I didn't know it was coming, but he certainly did, and he was getting me ready for that. And where did that happen? That happened in my time of prayer. Here's what I found out. You want to follow the Holy Spirit in a real practical way? Just real simple. Pray, then listen. Don't just talk, listen. And then when you hear or you sense or you feel the Holy Spirit guiding you direction, then obey. It is really that simple. Pray, listen, obey. Pray, listen, obey. Let's pray right now. Father, I just thank you for these people today. I thank you that every single one of them are so important that you sent your son to die for them. They are so valued that Jesus poured out his blood for them, and that blood and his sacrifice has determined just how much they mean to you and just how worth it they are. Lord, I don't know all the problems that are going on in people's lives here today, but you certainly know that. You know exactly what you're trying to do in each one of their lives. And Father, today I am praying, Lord, would you just send truth to their spirit? 
Would you just send illumination, Lord? Would you open their eyes to see the truth that the Holy Spirit wants to show them in this moment, in this season of their life, and maybe the battles and the struggles they're going through? And Lord, would you open their ears, as you did for the prophet Isaiah, to hear that word in due season? Would you give them ears to hear, Lord, today? And Lord, I pray the blessing of 2 Corinthians 13, 14 over these people, Lord. May it rest on them this week. I pray, may the love of God, may the grace of Jesus Christ, and may the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every person that's here today. And Father, while we're praying, I just want to do one more thing, and I want to talk to you while we're in this place of prayer. If you're here today, I want to tell you about something that I did many, many years ago. Many years ago, I sat just like you in a Sunday morning service, and when the pastor was done preaching, he gave an invitation that required a decision. And that day, I made a decision. I have to say, I didn't know everything I needed to know. I didn't even know what would happen as a result of that decision. But I can honestly tell you that one decision that I made on August 3rd, 1980 radically changed the course of my life forever. And today, I want to offer you something, and that is the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it comes by making a decision to do one thing, making a decision to follow Him. And so today, if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I have never ever made a decision to follow him. I've thought about it, but I've never actually crossed that line and made that decision. But you know what? Today, as I'm listening to you, I'm just saying, you know what? I'm ready for this. I just feel like this is my moment. This is my time. I'm ready to make this decision. I want to follow him. If that represents your heart today and where you are, then I want you to do something. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to show you how to pray it. You don't have to figure it out on your own. Pray this prayer from your heart. Church, will you help me? I'm going to pray this simple prayer. Just say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I know I've been living without you, and I ask you to forgive me. Thank you that you died for me on the cross. Thank you that because of your death, my sins have been forgiven. I now have a way to the Father. I give you all my guilt and shame. I accept you as my Savior. I believe that you rose from the dead, that you're alive today. Come into my life now. Help me to live the rest of my life with you and for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.